from Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to make recommendations, file reports, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes in the back room where we sleep and a bed of dot matrix printer paper. Maybe one day we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is this basement, but until that day comes, this city is not going to improve itself. So here we stay fighting for you a lot. This meeting is now in session. Ah, good social distancing to you, sir. Oh, huzzah and hurrah. Good social distancing to you as well. Shall we move on to attendance? Yes, yes, we shall. Uh, okay, so the uh, first attendee is uh, Delane Chui. Sorry, what was that? Who's the first attendee? D- Delane Chui. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, oh, well, it's, it's fascinating. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be along any moment. Uh, Delane was the, uh, he was the man who invented, uh, the apostrophizer, which was a machine that could put, uh, extra apostrophes in people's names. Oh. And, and like, like all sort of great inventors, uh, because he couldn't get funding for, for his device, he, uh, he tested out the prototype on his own name. Oh, okay. put apostrophes all in his own name. Right. Did he ever explain why he felt the need to do this? Uh, he thought, well, he said, I mean, this is like the, the, the epitome of like the confident white man. He said, nobody has ever done this before, uh, completely ignoring the fact that it's long been done as a part of sort of, you know, black American uh, naming conventions uh, and springs from, of course, uh, you know, uh, Kosin and other African languages. So, mm. so he, he just thought it was time. Uh, okay. but, uh, but, but, but also of course, like, like a white person in, in this culture that we live in, his apostrophizer took off. It became extremely fashionable for a while. And lots of people had, uh, apostrophes, uh, literally stitched into their names. Oh, okay. Punched into their names. I could quite how the machine worked. Right. Uh, does this story end with him selling it to R.A. Salvatore? <laughs> no, I wish that that would have been that would have been fantastic. Uh, no, it it ends with uh, with him actually going a little a little crazy and eventually uh, putting so many apostrophes in his own name that he had no more letters, and then he could no longer legally be recognized or addressed, uh, and the government uh, declared him officially dead. Oh, that's a sad end. Yeah, well, it's actually not for him because he was actually still alive. Uh, so he uh, he took he took his uh, riches and he, he bought an island. Oh, and uh, he named it the uh, the nation of the nation of um, okay, just an apostrophe. Right. And uh, and the uh, and the capital city of is which is an apostrophe with an exclamation mark. I'm assuming that it's still there and he's still alive and. Oh, he's alive, and he uh, he is um, he is he's pronounced he's he's now rule over as um well like a, I guess a king, but he he says that he's a king, so or king, yeah. Huh. And is there a direct flight to from uh, the Regina Airport? Uh, well, there was, uh, but regrettably, uh, the sort of the low flight volumes uh, between Regina and uh, the, the apparently uh, Delta stopped flying. Uh, there, so yeah, so that's the, that's the story of uh, Delane Eep and uh, and his nation of. He doesn't seem to be here. No, uh, you're. Oh, you know, you know why? 
Why? Uh, I appear to have mixed up the letters. Ooh. So just bear with me here. And uh, I'll, I'll, if, if you remove, first I'm going to remove the apostrophes, obviously. And, uh, okay. Oh, oh, sorry. I couldn't get rid of all the apostrophes. N. Oh, that kind of sounds like my name. Oh, okay. Um, so it, you're... It, you're that actually, it sounds like the way I used to spell it back in the, like, the mid-90s when I was reading a lot of our oh. Salvatore novels. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> sorry, that's a good, good, good joke there. I don't, I don't, in my line of work, I don't hear many R.A. Salvatore jokes. That's too bad. You need to get into a new line of work, sir. I do. I, need, I needed to get into that, like, that sort of, like, rich vein of, like, sci- like sort of vaguely, uncomfortably racist sci-fi authors, uh, you know, uh, comedy. Uh, any, anywho, so we have a second attendee. Uh, ooh, Roman Diagon. No, I don't see Roman Diagon. Roman Diagon was known as, uh, well, he called himself novelist to the stars. Really? Yeah, and but, but he meant it literally. Like no, no earthly, no publishers would actually tackle his work. So he, uh, he decided he would uh, travel to other planets and see if he could get like a publishing deal there. Oh, that's like, that, that's gumption, that is. It, that's moxie and gumption. Uh, he, he built a rocket in his backyard uh, in order to take as many unpublished manuscripts to other planets, uh, but he never made it because the, uh, the rocket just blew up and uh, sent his manuscripts flying everywhere. And the neighborhood um, was like rained down with like burning uh, pages of turgid overwrought prose, uh, littering the neighborhood, falling indifferently on the roofs and the trees and the poplars and the pool covers and the squirrels and the lawn signs and the lawns and the lawn gnomes themselves, falling, falling, falling on all the living and dead alike, falling adieu. That sounds terrible. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually the last thing he ever wrote. I'm, I'm quoting directly from his last unpublished novel. Yeah. So it's weird that he actually wrote his own fate and then sent it to me. I, I, think, I think I must, I must have been, uh, I, was, I was very sleepy the other night when I was doing attendance. So I, I may have written this all by myself. So were you, was this like fan fiction or? Uh... Uh, I think, um, oh, hold on. I think, I think the problem is uh, that I've, I've mixed up some letters in the name. Oh dear! And should be, uh, and this will also give us a clue as to who the real author is. Oh, it should be Aiden Morgan. Aiden, that's you. Oh, what I wrote that—that's that's not bad. I, I think I've got a way with words there. I got a got a. There, there's, it was a little poignant. I thought. I think so. I think you should start looking for a publisher. I think so. I mean, I've had trouble in the past, and I've had this idea that maybe. There might be intelligent life out there on other planets that might be interested in my work. Uh, then maybe you should get on that. Maybe you should just first start with like fan fiction on the internet. See where that takes you. Oh, yes, I think I will. I'll just start with some Roman Diagon fan fiction. Yeah. Cool. All righty. Um, so, let's, uh, so that's, that's attendance. Uh, do we have quorum? We do not. Alas. Uh, but hey, uh, as you, here's something you may not know. What's and that? this is a little weird um, because we're, we're just, all we are is like we're two bureaucrats having weekly meetings, but we seem to have a sponsor. What? <laughs> yes. Is this, 
like a real sponsor, not like one of those made up sponsors that we've had? No, this is, this is a real sponsor. This is an actual genuine sponsor for our program, our outreach program, which we put on CJTR 91.3 FM, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community every week. That is very exciting. So who is this sponsor? Well, let me, let me uh, before I tell you, let me, uh, let, me, let me paint you a picture. Okay. Uh, so I, I don't, maybe, maybe, maybe this has happened to you. You're, um, you're young. You've got, you've got like your life ahead of you. Uh, the world is your uh, proverbial oyster. So, and you can do anything. So like a lot of young people in the 90s who could do anything, they went to a lot of um, like discount soda expos. Oh, really? And bought, yeah, and bought like, and ended up in a moment of excess buying an industrial sized barrel of, um, of off-brand soda, like uh, Fanta or Tab or Royal Crown Cola. Right. And, and not even like regular like flavors, like, like bacon and honeydew Fanta or Tab. So, so, so you do that and you think, you know, I gotta, I'm going to drink this all. But then, you know, it's, it's later, 20, 25 years later, you're grown up, you have a mortgage, you're, you're a middle-aged man, you're looking down the back half of your life, and, uh, and you've got this big honking barrel of soda that you know you're never going to drink. Yeah. And it's just taking up space. Yeah. So, so where, where, where do you put it? Where do I put it? question. Yeah, where do you put this big barrel of soda? Because, you know, you don't, you don't want to... T- like, t- like, just dump it out. And maybe in the apocalypse, you know, maybe it'll be worth something. Oof, good point. Uh, I, I, I don't know, because I guess yeah. you don't want to just drink it either, all in a go. No. So you want, you want to store it. Exactly. But you want a place, a, a good place for it. Uh, so you want to put it in a warehouse. Oh, okay. And you know where you want to put your, you know where you want to put your warehouse? Uh, in your pants? good answer but not the correct one in this context oh. uh, unless you have really big pants you want to put that warehouse to really pull off that warehouse look in the regina warehouse business improvement district hey they're great the uh, regina warehouse business improvement district oh hot diggity yes and they are our show sponsor really you really i feel bad for them <laughs> i know they, they didn't deserve it but we're the show that they have. Did, did they lose a bet with Amber at CJTR? This is entirely possible. They could have, they could have sponsored all those good shows. Like, I don't they, know. They could have. Like Redbeard's show. Yeah. Or Orange Crush or the Nerdcore Cabaret. Dayback. Um, Dardar yeah, in they the basement. Uh, exactly Chinese connection. I, I bet you they could have probably sponsored like the Prairie naturalist and that's not even on the air. And that would have actually been a better bet than, than the queen city improvement. Theory. Well, thanks to them anyways. Thanks indeed. Uh, I, I'm actually, I'm actually rather touched. Yeah, that, no, I'm uh, here. That, uh, they are a sponsor. Uh, and for the record, they have been uh, Lisa from the uh, warehouse business improvement district has been a guest on the show more than a few times. I think she might actually still, hold the title for most frequent guest with the improvement. That might be, that, that could be, I, you know, I, I haven't counted them up, but I, I you know, she and uh, Judith uh, Verisuk of the, of the downtown business improvement district are probably two of our most regular, regular guests. Yeah. 
Well, that's really kind of them. And uh, they've been doing fantastic work as, as we discussed the last time they, they were on the show. So yeah, thanks a lot, Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Yes, indeed. So what's up, what's up next? What's on our agenda now? Now that, now that we've gotten the, the, all the housework out of the way. Yeah, I guess since we've got a sponsor now, we actually have to like, you know, do some meetings and stuff. Yeah, I got to clean up our act. Uh, well, you know, Aiden, uh, you, we've mentioned this before. You're probably well aware that we have a municipal election coming up on November 9th. I am well aware like Delaware. This is an interesting mayoral election. I thought we should talk about it tonight because of that. There are nine candidates running for mayor. I think it's worth, now that these uh, candidates are starting to release their uh, campaign platforms and are getting out into the media and talking about uh, uh, where they stand on the issues, that we should uh, maybe take a look mm-hmm. at where the front runners stand in this election. So the people who are currently mm-hmm. running, we've got Darren Bradley, Jim Elliott, fourth time he's running, Tony Fiacco, this mm-hmm. is his second run for mayor, uh, Councillor Jerry Flagel from Ward 10 is now running for mayor, Michael Fougere is running again. Uh, the notorious Mitchell C. House, who we spoke about at length in the last meeting, uh, Sandra Masters, who uh, we also ended up speaking about because of Mitchell C. House in the last uh, meeting, uh, Death Dancing Bob Pierce is running for mayor, and uh, George R. Woolridge. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get around to talking about all of these people. Uh, I think safe to say the front runners for the election so far are um, the mayor. As the incumbent, uh, Michael Fougere, uh, Jerry Flagel, as a known quantity, as as you know, a longtime councillor, uh, he's been on council since uh, 2000. And uh, Sandra Masters, who uh, has been making a huge splash and has been in the media a lot, and uh, if you go around town, you'll see a lot of her signs about. These are the three people who are probably the most uh, talked about. Before Sandra Masters threw her name into the ring a few weeks ago, uh, I think uh, it was strictly a fight between Michael Fougere and Jerry Flagel. Uh, but at right. this point, Sandra Masters has, and I think you actually predicted she would win it last week. Uh, I'm, well, I'm not sure I predicted a win, but I, I certainly think she's, I, I certainly think she's got a, a pretty good shot. I, I, think, I, feel, I feel that Fougere is not, is not in, in the secure position that, uh, that he was even, you know, maybe six months ago. And Flagel, I, I don't think he has a whole lot to offer. Very nice guy. But I don't think the in these covid times, another arena is going to appeal to people. Right. I, I guess I should rephrase that. It was your supercomputer that you built last week that it indicated Sandra Masters was the first right. step on Regina's golden path. Uh-huh. That's that's true. That's true. That was my computer. Sorry, I was just giving my sort of considered opinion as a political analyst. But yeah, Mike, the computer, which is uh, faultless, obviously, uh, and and runs our lives, you know, down down to the second, you know, knows what's going to happen. So yeah, it's masters, obviously. And if it gets it wrong, the computer will blow up and take us all with it. Yeah. Okay, well, I thought we would take a look at their platforms because uh, they all have uh, positions that they've staked out on policy. And so I just kind of like wanted to run through what they've released so far. And I thought I would start with the incumbent, Mayor Fougere. He's been on council since 1997. 
Uh, he didn't become mayor until 2012. As, as a fresh young man, he started out on council back in the 90s. In a way, we've been living for over 20 years. Uh, we've been living under the Fougere consensus uh, this whole time, these last 23 years. He's always had like his thumb in, in the pie of municipal government governance yeah since the late 90s so he is he is currently running on his record uh his slogan is regina our best days are yet ahead he points out you know how like regina has been a fast-growing city despite all of the economic trials that canada is facing he points to revitalizing the downtown which i think is a debatable claim uh, building a new stadium, a new wastewater treatment plant, uh, millions invested in infrastructure, road improvements. As far as what he's proposing for the, his new term and were he to win, the big thing, the first thing that he, he brought to the media was a property tax freeze. And he's saying a property tax freeze for 2021 and into the foreseeable future. This And he's also like challenged everybody running for council to also make that pledge. I don't think he had to work very hard to convince council uh, candidates and other mayoral candidates to uh, make freezing property taxes the the centerpiece of their campaigns. Uh, That's almost always an issue in a (laughs) municipal campaign. And this year it's like, you know, triply or quadruply so with uh, COVID. Fougere is also pointing to, uh, you know, he wants to expand his poverty reduction strategy. He notes that the city of Regina already has a, an everyone is home, a five-year strategy to end chronic episodic homelessness. Uh, that is a housing first program that uh, has been in- instituted in the last few years. They, it's a pro- project that has worked in cities across Canada, across the United States, uh, Housing First has been wildly successful. We're actually extremely late to the game on Housing First, but it's a few. We're a few years into the process, and uh, we're already starting to see uh, great strides on that. So Fougere is pointing to that as one of the you know his triumphs, and saying that he wants to expand that. I think this is uh, a direct challenge to Sandra Masters, whose first uh, platform plank that she released was that she wanted to do a poverty reduction strategy. Mm-hmm. He hasn't uh, he hasn't released anything in more detailed than this so far. That is uh, that's Fougere in a nutshell so far. Yeah. And then we come to Sandra Masters. Now, last week uh, when uh, our last meeting was uh, broadcasting, uh, Sandra Masters released her platform, and it's it's long. There's a lot of stuff in it. And I think it'd be hard in the uh, you know, the few minutes we have to devote to her to like get into all the nuance and details there. It comes down to uh, four main points, improved city operations, uh, create, uh, oh, sorry, building a safe community, people and jobs, and create fair opportunities. Not surprisingly, the very first item uh, under her first, uh, in the first section, improved city operations, the first item is uh, conduct an operations efficiency review within the first six months, uh, finding 15% savings from operational efficiencies. So yeah, she's she is like the mayor and like so many council candidates this year, she's putting a big emphasis on uh, financial responsibility and uh, keeping budgets under control. Under building a safe community, her first bullet point is supporting the Regina Police Service and making sure they're properly funded and have the resources they need, which I find to be little tin-eared. Like, I'm surprised the timing on that as a key plank in your platform could be phrased a little better, maybe, 
I think there's like a large number of people who are hoping that Sandra Masters would emerge as like a progressive candidate. And this really, that's, that language doesn't really put her in the, uh, the progressive camp. Not the way I think some, some would want, that's for sure. Yeah, but she does want to create an anti-poverty strategy within one year of being elected. Maybe, maybe what she wants to do is fund the police so they have like, like big wads of cash. And when, they, when the police go out and they find uh, impoverished people, they'll just give impoverished people money. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah somehow I don't think that's going to happen. No, no, you know, but it's, uh, you, you don't know is a thing. We'll I'm, never know un- unless unless we ask her. I, I'm, I'm trying to yes and on that idea, and I just don't think I can. Fair enough. She also talks about negotiating to move the city, the rail lines that cut through the city out to the city limits, which that's that's the kind of thing that I think city council has been running scared from since the 1960s, because that would be... <laughs> wildly expensive that'd be that would put the wastewater treatment plant in the stadium to shame as far as cost and i doubt very much that the uh the train companies would be too pleased that we were deciding to do that all right yeah that strikes me as a as a swing like the the, the big swing uh that that probably cannot cannot easily be accomplished but it's there anyway so yeah but it will play well with the drivers who are on the ring road who get stuck at a railway crossing Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and this is the thing about municipal politics. I mean, the things that, you know, mayors and councillors deal with are things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. So this is what makes it interesting. Exactly. Her last section, Create Fair Opportunities. Uh, This is the first point where she starts to talk about like things like increasing understanding and respect towards Indigenous peoples and culture, implementing an Indigenous procurement strategy. Uh, These are all great things. It would have been nice to see this more in like integrated into the other levels of her platform. But yeah, so that's, that's Sandra Masters. Sandra Masters, she entered the race uh, with a very slick uh, election strategy. She has um, great signs. She's been doing a really good job of getting in front of the media every single week with some news. Um, she has a very well thought out, like, I, I, you know, I can, I can quibble with issues, with things in her uh, platform all day long, but at the same time, like it's, it's detailed and it represents like some knowledge of what's actually going on at city hall. She has a lot of support from smart people who've some knowledge of how a city election works. And dare I say, she has access uh, to some money. (laughs) And uh, like, we won't know until like, uh, until the election is over and they, people start reporting where their donations came from and how uh, well supported their campaigns were. But uh, her seems to be very well supported. And she comes, she was for a time, the, uh, the chair of the uh, board of directors for the Regina Exhibition Association Limited. There, um, you know, that would put her in touch with a lot of very important business folk and movers and or shakers within uh, the Regina community who seem what? to be, I, it, it does seem, I, I get this sense that there is some of that mover shaker support being thrust behind Sandra Masters uh, when, you know, in past years, that has all gone to, since 2012, that's all gone towards getting Fougere elected and reelected. So, right. based on um, 
how much more seriously, uh, like Fougere has always taken elections very seriously. Uh, when I've spoken to him, he enjoys being mayor quite a bit. He actually likes uh, doing elections and campaigning. He's, he's definitely taking this election much more, seri- much more seriously in a way that he didn't last time when there really wasn't a credible mm. candidate up against it. Right. The last person I'd flag as a front runner would be Jerry Flagel. Uh, his slogan is Renew Regina. Three points. Renew development, renew community, renew policing, sorry, four points, and renew relationships. He, he's talking about mm-hmm. renewing the vacant city rail yards. So when he came to the Improvement Bureau to talk, that was what he was talking about there. Um, so that's like front and center, what he's basing his election campaign on. Uh, he also wants to look at finding new investment, new construction for affordable housing in the city's inner city. Uh, he wants to reallocate resources to improve policing for the city. He wants to add more officers while at the same time, more social supports. And finally, mm-hmm. he wants to renew relationships with different levels of government on city council and with residents and business owners in the city. Again, like Fougere, he hasn't released a lot official. Uh, he doesn't have like a big, long multi-page document like Masters does. And on his uh, Renew the Rail Yards, he, he suggests putting a baseball stadium there, but I hear that in media uh, hits that he's been doing, he's been talking about a hockey arena as well, so a downtown hockey arena. It's interesting that his sort of like key platform plank is a big recreation facility investment when we're staring at a stadium that we have a 30-year mortgage on that's supporting a team for a league that is on the edge of bankruptcy right now. I think I think this is uh, Flagel's big idea, and he's not going to let reality or changing circumstances get in the way of it. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how this shakes out. I, you know, one of my favorite things to do during an election is to go to uh, uh, candidate forums, especially mayoral forums, and see how the, uh, see what the candidates have to say in person and see how they play off one another. Um, see what sort of emerges from questions from the audience as being the things that uh, really matter to people. In the 2012 election, I think I went to like, six mayoral forums, five or six. And uh, I don't think we're seeing any of these happen this time. Like uh, maybe the chamber will try to do something virtually or social distance in the ballroom. But uh, yeah, I have not seen mm-hmm. any announcements of any kind of like mayoral forum where we can bring these nine people together, especially the three front runners and see, you know, how they do. That's too bad. There is still, you know, little under a month until actually election day. So hopefully there will be some forums and uh, some other ways we can uh, sort of vet these candidates. This is a huge election with Councillor O'Donnell stepping down uh, and with Flagel stepping down. So Councillor O'Donnell had been on council for since like the early 2000s. Uh, Fougere had, um, Fougere is now facing a credible threat from Sandra Masters and Flagel has stepped down. He was on council since 2000. He stepped down. So we're going to have Either Fougere is going to be going away, Flagel is going to be going away, or both of them are going to be going away. Bryce is also facing several candidates in her ward. Um, some of them are uh, credible challengers with, uh, you know, like the support of the uh, Labor Congress and such. Uh, Findura as well is facing some like legitimate uh, contenders in his riding or his ward, sorry. So we could end up losing 
in this election, O'Donnell, Fougere, Flagel, Bryce, and Fendura, that wipes out everybody who's been on council since 2009 or earlier. Um, this could like completely renew and like just like a completely different council than we've seen in a long, 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 long time. Because as I say, we've been living under the Fougere consensus since the late 90s. This could be the complete disappearance of that going forward. Upheaval. Yeah. And it's going to be, it'll be a situation if this happens, if we lose Bryce, Fendura, uh, Fougere and Flagel, Councillor Hawkins and Young, uh, who were elected in 2012, will be the longest serving councillors at that point. And they'll be going into their third terms. So uh, this is exciting. I'm like, I'm really excited to see uh, what the council looks like going forward from here. Me too. Anyways, um, I have babbled far too long and we are, uh, we've run out of time and we need to go to commercial now. (laughs) Okay. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. And we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Hey, Aiden. Yeah. How are you doing? Are you sitting down? Oh, great. Are you you sitting down? Uh, I am doing a handstand. I I hope it's a good stable handstand because I was just looking at the headlines and I read something Uh knocked my socks right off. The headline reads, Nicolas Cage sword fights a spaceman. I hope to God that is the name of a new movie because I would watch the hell (laughs) out of a movie titled Nicolas Cage sword fights a spaceman. I completely agree. Well, Somebody, I had lost my, my handstand. See? That's big news. Uh, I was going to get in the Guinness Book of World Records. Don't blame me. Blame the genius of late Nicolas Cage's career. Or Nicolas Cage's late career. That's a good point. I, <laughs> yeah, let's see. You want to watch where you put that adjective? Yep. On the election theme, we, we did leave out in our discussion of the front runners in the mayoral election... Uh, we, we left out the election for mayor of Willow Island. True, true, we did. Um, so I, I had just contacted the uh, Toxic Algal Blooms or Toxic Algal Blobs campaign today just to get an update, see how they're doing. And, and they've sent me a message. So this is the official word from the Toxic Algal Blobs uh, campaign about how their campaign is going. So I thought I'd read it for us today. As far as our campaign is concerned, TAB has been campaigning hard with both Swamp residents and a few human Regina residents as well, and has been faced with overwhelming support. However, the outcome of the Swamp election is still hard to predict. Sam has been employing a few dangerous campaign tactics, including salamandering the electoral districts of the Swamp, which I think might be like Swamp Talk for gerrymandering. Uh, Sounds like it. Yeah. There have also been allegations of attempted voter suppression by uh, Sam's goons, apparently setting up sham ballot boxes that are just hungry Venus flytraps. That's unconfirmed, but our investigative team is working on looking at at the details. So yeah, that's that's the update from the Toxic Algal Blobs uh, campaign. And uh, big news. So next week is our, uh, the meeting that overlaps with Radiothon and the Toxic Algae mm-hmm. Blob 
fingers crossed, will be returning to give us like a, a person, an in-person uh, or in-blob, an in-blob update on how the campaign Whoa. I would. I mean, to be in to be in Tab's presence feels. I, I feel kind of honored. So, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to an update from uh, from our the front runner and I think the rightful mayor of uh, of Willow Island. Yeah, I've heard rumors because I, I I don't think there is actually a nomination period for the campaign for mayor of Willow Island. I've heard rumors that there's like other waterfowl perhaps who are going to throw their uh, their hat into the ring and run for mayor of hmm. Willow Island. There's still developments are coming. So, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears and, and I am on tenterhooks. Good. Yeah. Well, okay. So that, that will be in seven days on uh, the queen city improvement bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR tuned into the community. What do you know? Sorry, Aiden. Uh, did you, did you have an innovative revenue tool? We kind of skipped over that item on the agenda. Oh yeah, no. I, I well, we were we were busy talking about mayoral politics, but yes, yes, I do have an innovative revenue tool, and uh, I, I really believe that this tool is quite innovative, and it will bring revenue to the city. Oh, I'm excited! I'm all ears. Oh, good. Uh, well, I don't want you to be all ears because I need you to also be uh, part mouth and part money to make this innovative revenue tool work. Okay, I I, I think I can do that. Oh, good. Okay. Excellent. Uh, so, and the one thing about this is that this isn't like a permanent tool, but I mean, it will generate some revenue in the short term. Okay. Uh, I, uh, unrelated to anything we've been talking about uh, during this meeting, I have this honking big barrel of uh, honeydew bacon tab, uh-huh. uh, which, you know, it was just really, it was, I think in around '98, it was uh, there was a it was like a test run and it, it failed um, owing to the flavor of, of honeydew bacon tab. Uh, but I, I bought a barrel because I thought, well, this is going to be worth something someday. And uh, now I've got it stored at the warehouse district. Uh, but I thought I would set up like a little booth and um, offer sort of little Dixie cup glasses, um, you know, for like ten bucks a glass. Okay, that, that's that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, it'll make, uh, like, well, I'll set the booth up, like, people are getting out of the bars around 2 in the morning, like, their taste buds don't really know what's going on, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll get them then when they're, you know, drunk and vulnerable and, uh, and are willing to pay too much money for a really vile soft drink. Huh. Yeah, I'm starting to sense that you're not a big fan of bacon honeydew tab. Well, no, I mean, you know, and I liked it because I like their, that famous old slogan of theirs, uh, pull the tab, get off the slab, fight a live crab, have a tab. It is a good slogan. Yeah. Uh, so, and it spoke to me, like it was targeted at the Maritimes, right? The, the, that whole fight a live crab bit, which we would have to do um, for our supper every night. Right. So, maybe, you, yeah. maybe it would have worked better if instead of like bacon honeydew, if they'd gone with like, crab with bacon tab oh yeah no that, that could have worked i mean like i mean most of our food actually kind of tasted like crab not because we ate crab but because often like it would like have like it's pincer residue uh from when the crabs tried to grab our, our plates away from us right uh, so so we we grew up well, like with the taste of crab on our food and you get used to it after a while right and you know yeah. wrapping a bake uh, wrapping a crab in bacon that sounds delicious yeah, I mean, not for the crab, but it sounds pretty good to me. 
Yeah. And then wrapping a crab in bacon and then carbonating it. Mmm. <laughs> yeah, just, just get that flavor percolating around. It's pretty easy to get the bacon wrapped around the crab, but like you just have to sort of like hold the bacon out and the crab will grab it with a pincer. And then you just sort of wrap real quick. Right. And shut up like bacon wrapped crab. Yeah. And you just like run around it with holding the bacon at one end, the crab's got the bacon at the other end, and then woo, woo, woo. That's right. It's, it takes uh, some technique because often what happens, if you don't know what you're doing, you just end up sort of like spinning a crab around. Um, and, you, and you end up like doing like, like that scene in Titanic when Jack and Rose are dancing in steerage. Um, and they're just looking, you're just gazing into each other's eyes adoringly as they spin around and around on the dance floor. It's kind of like that, except you're looking into the, the cold eyes of, like, of a crab. Right. Which only wants your bacon and does not care about you. Right. But you're looking hungrily at the crab because you too want the bacon, but also the crab. That's right. And who knows what the, and it's hard to fathom what the crab wants aside from the bacon, but yeah. Yeah. Sounds like life is hard in the Maritimes. It is. It is. But that's why, uh, I think that's why Tab and other off-brand sodas uh, really tried to like exploit us. Um because they figured we wouldn't know any better because we were so distracted from fighting, you know, fighting shellfish for our, for our, for. All right. Well, um, I hope, I hope that innovative revenue tool works to, uh, to generate a few bucks. I do have to say though, this is the Regina warehouse district, uh, which is becoming, uh, quite, quite the interesting and exciting shopping destination and uh, a place for fine eats and fine drinks. I don't. I don't know if they're going to want your uh, bacon and uh, honeydew tab. Yeah, Neil, that you make a good point. I don't. I don't think anybody does. Um, but I feel like we've gotten in with those with those Regina Warehouse District people. Okay. They seem to like us. Maybe they can get you a, like a a cart, a tab cart. Ooh, <laughs> nice, nice a uh, a fresco wagon. Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, are you uh, ready to move on to uh, some old news? I'm ready for that old news. Uh, This is an item from the September 23rd uh, Priorities and Planning Commission meeting. Uh, However, it is, I I would say that this this Priorities and Planning Commission meeting from September has an impact on all of City Council and their legacy going forward. And uh, it uh, it will be one of the key items on their last council meeting in October before the election. As you know, one of the things that uh, council has been trying to, uh, to pass for the last two years is the renewability pledge. So back in October of 2018, uh, city council voted to great fanfare unanimously in support of this renewability pledge, uh, the Make Regina a Renewable City uh, motion, which was brought forward by councillors Stevens, Murray, and Fla- uh, Fendura. What it called for is Regina becoming a 100% renewable city by 2050. The original timeline was <laughs> that there would be a framework to get us there by the fourth quarter of 2019. Instead, what we got is in the third quarter of 2019 is an announcement from administration that was brought to council that they would be holding a a conference about renewability that was scheduled for uh, May of this year, famously uh, going to have a climate science denier as the keynote speaker. 
at this event. He was then uh, summarily ejected after the uh, organizing committee got a sense of what he was actually going to be speaking about at the conference. And then that conference didn't actually end up happening because of the COVID pandemic. The demic brought it down. Hmm. Um, so what we had instead... <laughs> the demic. In June, we got an update on how things were going with the uh, renewability pledge. Uh, it was roundly considered insufficient by council. They didn't think that uh, they got nearly enough of an update. So at the September 23rd uh, Priorities and Planning Commission, uh, Commission meeting, administration came back with a lengthy and detailed report about how to get to an energy and sustainability framework and action plan. So I this action plan or framework or whatever you want to call it that's supposed to get us to renewability, the city has accomplished adding words to the name of it uh, very well. It, it, we don't have <laughs> an actual framework or an action plan, but it, we have a very long title for the action plan at this point. Ooh. So fantastic work all around. Uh, the highlights, the uh, the key points that came out of the report that came out on uh, September 23rd, uh, there will be a community and municipal-wide action plan with timelines and targets to achieve a renewable Regina. So that's what they're going to be. That's what they're going to be writing. The actions will be focused on everything. So this isn't going to be just about city operations anymore. It will look at land use, transportation planning, development and building permit guidelines, energy efficient building designs, uh, transportation demand management, waste management, energy conservation, uh, regulatory and financial tools, uh, advocacy with higher levels of government, and also public education and awareness. So this isn't just cleaning up the, the city's business anymore. This is in a whole city plan to mobilize the entire city to become renewable. Uh, there will also be a community engagement process that's going to begin. It's kind of already started, uh, but it will begin in earnest in the new year. There will be regular and ongoing progress reports to council on how the framework is playing out once it's been passed. There will be a preliminary estimate of financial and economic impacts associated with implementing an action plan. So that's Whoa. kind of, this was like a 30 page document. So I'm just giving you like some of the stuff that, uh, what, it, what it was trying to accomplish. The key here is that in June of 2019, when we got our first reports back on what was going to be happening, uh, when it turned out we weren't going to be getting a complete framework by the end of 2019, we were instead going to be getting a conference in 2020 and a framework to come at the end of 2020. Um, the mayor had basically pushed that this framework is just going to be about getting city operations to 100% renewable, and that's it. And so you had this awkward situation where this, this plan for renewability to 2050, something 30 years in the future, was only going to consider you know, getting electric buses and putting solar panels on top of buildings. It seemed like a pretty pathetic renewability pledge all of a sudden. So this has mm -hmm. definitely reestablished, you know, the spirit of the original motion, which was a net neutral city that, you know, we're not like, we're not contributing to greenhouse, the greenhouse gas footprint of Canada any longer. We're actually like, we're on the solution side, as opposed to the problem side. This has angered a couple people on council. 
Mayor Fougere was very much unhappy with the direction, has been very much unhappy with the direction things have gone of re- recently as other councillors have pushed through uh, an expansion of the mandate for the Renewability Pledge. Councillor Fendura, one of the people who signed the original motion, the Make Regina uh, Renewable City motion, uh, he's also started to raise concerns about costs. And so at this meeting, Councillor Fendura um, there was a lot of back and forth between the two sides on this. It was interesting that Councillor Fendura tried to pass a motion that would put off making any decisions about the renewability pledge. So it would, it would, it, he wanted to get a full costing of what going 100% renewable citywide would cost. Uh, and he wanted that report before passing this framework, which is supposed to be the framework which you know, explains how we get there and starts to like, you know, propose projects and uh, works out the costing as we go. Asking for such a report very much would have guaranteed that there would be no way for this renewability pledge to take another step forward before the end of this council's term in November. He proposed this motion and this led to a lot of debate. Uh, A couple of things that Fougere, we need to remember is back in June, when the gallery was packed with delegations saying, you got to move this faster. We expected a framework at the end of the year. We're getting nothing. Move faster. Fougere described those delegations as uh, lobbyists. I want to play that clip uh, from that meeting that was in, uh, this is from the June, 20, uh, June 17th, 2020 meeting. This is how Fougere uh, characterized citizen activists and people concerned about the environment. But for the moment, we're getting lobby groups that are lobbying us and not the general public. So a wild mischaracterization, uh, having been at that meeting of, uh, or watching it on uh, the internet, of the people who showed up, who were largely just, you know, regular citizens who, uh, you know, they may have identified as being part of larger uh, movements, uh, but they were like Regina citizens. They were, you know, Regina taxpaying voting citizens who came out to support the notion of becoming a greener, more renewable city. Fougere's biggest concern was uh, the cost of the renewability pledge. And he didn't feel that voters uh, writ large had a sense of the scale of what they were doing. And the report the council that administration is going to be bringing forward at the October 28th meeting is asking for about $230,000 to uh, move this, to get this framework built over the next year. Fougere didn't objected to that, that cost estimate. I'm going to play for you now what he had to say about the cost. The cost of this strategy or action plan is not $225,000. That's the entry point. I would suggest that the the cost of this initiative, and it should be known by the public so they can have their say in this, would be hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, I don't want to compare the Saskatoon report to ours because I can't do that because they're not the same. But I can tell you that their report uh, spoke of um, $19 billion dollars as a cost, and there, there certainly is, is money to be recouped over time, $33 billion, so I, I certainly take that into consideration. So yeah, 
19 billion dollars is the cost we need to focus on the cost and then he like tosses in oh but the report also mentioned 33 billion dollars that would have been like saved and would be recouped from going renewable so so yeah. why so why i ask focus on the cost if the cost ends up actually it seems like there's a net surplus out of the deal exactly and that's why I, I, I found it a little disingenuous of Councillor Fendura to say that, you know, he just wants to see the cost of going renewable um, because he needs that information and voters need that information when um, they, weren't, they weren't being very uh, forthright with the fact that, you know, there's, there's massive savings that could be achieved, massive efficiencies. All of a sudden for Fendura and uh, Fougere, uh, they're, they're running scared from the notion of going sustainable, going renewable, because they think it's going to be too costly. And this is exactly what these regular citizens who Fougere has dismissed as lobbyists, uh, what the people who came out to you know, defend the original motion were saying is that you know, they're concerned that the minute any kind of price tag gets added to this feel-good notion, uh, that the mayor will start to run scared from it. That, you know, he had this great meeting back in 2018 where he and council got a standing ovation from the gallery for passing unanimously this Make Regina and Renewable City uh, motion. And it has been backtracking and backtracking and backtracking ever since. So yeah, it's almost like they're trying to like coast on the goodwill they got from like creating this uh, motion, but they don't want to do any of the hard work or spend any of the uh, effort or upfront costs uh, to actually make this a reality. I'm just going to play two more more clips to round this out, and I'll just play them back to back. This is uh, Councillor Stevens, one of the original signees of the uh, Make Regina a Renewable City motion, uh, followed by Councillor Hawkins, who uh, was not a, a signee onto it, but he's been one of the staunchest, staunchest defenders of this motion. And uh, he was the guy who said, we need to have four quick start action items in this framework that the city can get started on immediately uh, to prove our commitment to this and to show that it can be achieved. Uh, Hawkins hasn't just defended the plan. He's like, he's made the plan better. But here's what Stevens and Hawkins had to say. Thank you, Your Worship. Um, I won't support the amendment, and I'm very concerned about this approach. It seems to be a strategy of obfuscation, of deflection, and of not being able to understand the report in front of us. What we've asked for is precisely what Councillor Fendura is asking this amendment. We need that framework to provide an understanding of what this costs. Nothing is spent without council approval. We unanimously consented to this motion years ago. Administration put a great deal of time and effort into consultation. Councillors around this table did a great deal of engagement with the public, with taxpayers. There's never been an item that has brought so many people of such a diverse background to this table. I'm not sure what other discussion we need. We've spent incredible sums of money on projects that involved zero consultation that were invented at various breakfasts and public events. This is an incredible workload that administration has has taken on. Without this motion passing, 
we don't know how much all of this is going to cost, and we don't know the cost of doing nothing. We will be a laughing stock if we don't pursue something which we've committed to already that other cities, virtually every other major city in Canada, has committed to. This is an incredible defining moment for this council. I won't support the amendment because what we're looking for is the costing and the implications of this. So again, I will thank administration for their work, but really the amendment being proposed here is moot since we won't know any of that information without the completion of this framework. We need to move ahead with this and can't delay because certain people knock on doors and suggest that it is in their interest. The public knows about this. And it's been our job for the past two years to discuss it, to communicate it, and to do research to figure out how this is going to work. I understand the need for financial information, but this is going over the top, and I don't believe there's any other intention here but to delay. So be respectful in your comments, Councillor Stevens, please, to the veracity of other people's views that are different than yours. I want to repeat Councillor Stevens' argument. This is about delay. This is about obstructionism, and this is a classic filibuster. Oh. And I simply cannot support it, and I believe the city and the public of the city would be outraged if we didn't follow up as a council this hugely important piece of work that we have been engaged in at their request in the interest of our citizens and children and grandchildren and move forward with this tonight. I will not support this amendment. Strong words. So that was Councillor Stevens and Hawkins arguing against Councillor Findura's amendment that would have uh, called for costing of the renewable pledge and, you know, ultimately de delayed it into uh, December or the new year. Right. One of the things that was raised multiple times, Councillor Murray, I think it was the first one to make this point, the Make Regina Renewable City commitment is in the minds of Council their signature achievement. This is their this is their big idea that this four-year council has has put forward. They wanted to complete this before the election. Mayor Fougere has said, no, 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 no. Uh, this is too big to uh, pass now. This needs the, the next council needs to have a look at it. Uh, we need more consultation. People need to see it before we can pass this. And it's too big a deal to be passing it in the waning days of this, uh, this council's mandate. The, the issue, though, that I, that I take with that, this should have been passed at the end of last year. Like, this was, when this was passed, the councillors who were behind it said, we want this done by the end of 2019. They wanted a full year of work on this to have already been completed. Right. But... Uh, kicking the can down the road from administration and from whomever else has meant that it is now kind of been relegated to the end of this council's term. This is not when they wanted to do it. So to be saying, oh, we can't do it because it's coming late is awfully convenient considering that it's been kind of like shoved to the position that it's in. So I, I agree. I think this is one of the signature things that this council has done over the last four years. Uh, I think they should have the opportunity to run on it in the election. And um, so we'll see. It, it's coming to council again on October 28th. Uh, the Findura amendment to postpone it uh, failed. Uh, it, it only got Findura and Fougere's vote. And then the vote to have the renewability pledge 
and the framework commitment discussed at the October council meeting was passed by everybody on council again, except Fougere and Fendura. So I, I think it's pretty safe to say that there is, there is a vast majority of support on council to see this get passed before the election. So I think we'll, we'll, come, we'll revisit this after the October 28th council meeting. But um, yeah, I think, I think this will, will get passed and will be something that uh, councillors will be campaigning on. But with that, sorry, Aiden, we have totally, I've totally like babbled and taken up all the time again. No, that's fine. I was, I was, it's a fascinating topic, as I said. It's always nice to see a council like do something and you kind of want to see them actually do it and not just come up with a plan and put the plan on the shelf, which I think is what we see quite often. So uh, yeah, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see on October Mm -hmm. 28th, but yeah, I guess uh, we should, somebody should move to adjourn this, this year meeting. All right. Well, uh, I'll move to adjourn. Okay. I'll second that motion. Cool. Well, uh, motion is passed. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. Uh, your hosts have been Paul Deschen and Aiden Morgan, uh, music by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. Uh, we are broadcast live 7 to 8 Thursday evenings, and we broadcast Monday afternoons from 3 to 4 p.m., so you can listen to us in the car if you're skipping out from work early. Uh, coming up next, we've got the Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V, followed by I Believe the Cockpit and music all on through the night. Find us on Twitter at QueenCityIB or on our website, QueenCityIB.com, and of course at CJTR.ca slash listen live, or just, uh, just look for our recordings. We're there. Trust us. Pictures and everything. Well, that's all. Keep on improving, Regina. Awesome.